There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. 46% of Americans expect to leave behind financial obligations when they pass away. So it's crucial to make sure your family is financially protected. Policy Genius helps you find the right life insurance coverage by comparing options from America's top insurers with help from licensed, award-winning agents. Secure your financial future with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get free life insurance quotes in just a few clicks. That's policygenius.com. If you're 21 or older, consume nicotine or tobacco and want to join the Black Buffalo herd, head over to blackbuffalo.com to learn more. You can order nicotine pouches online. They ship directly to most states or check out their store locator to purchase pouches at thousands of retail locations around the country. Black Buffalo Tobacco Alternative. Bold flavor, full pouches. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Black Buffalo products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of nicotine or tobacco. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Okay, um, uh, is the machine on? It is now. Thomas McIntyre. McIntyre. <laughs> Sorry. I've been looking at your name. I've been looking at your name in don't, magazines. Don't, don't, don't tell me how long. Well, my entire life I've been looking at your name in magazines. You, you were very pre- uh, precocious. Hey? How, like, how many, I don't know, it feels like my entire life. How many, how many magazine articles have you written? Thousands. Uh, no, no. I've, Not thousands? No, hundreds, maybe, you know. I've, I've written, um, you know, the last few years, I've probably written more television shows. I, I, I'm i not a very fast writer. I'm a half-fast writer. You ever hear that quote from, I think it was R.W. Apple? Had that quote that, I can write faster than anyone who can write better than me, and I can write better than anyone who can write faster yeah, than me. Yeah, yeah. I I I don't know. I mean, I probably am good for twenty articles a year, feature articles a year. What do you I, mean writing television shows? I write uh, I write for I write for Trev Gowdy for um, Sasquatch Mountain Man and uh, his Monster Fish show. Write what? I write the script. like enter animal enter. No, it's like it's like. And now, as the deer comes towards Jim... Oh, you write the narration. Yeah, the voiceover. So you're coming in after the cut's been put together. Yeah. And I have one of those charming little golden mices. 
in my house too. What's that mean? The golden moose. Oh, oh. <laughs> like an award. Yeah. It's like you got on your shelf over here. Yeah. And for yeah. what? For narration? For writing. For his fishing show. They, they decided they, he so won. they'll make, they'll make the show and then they'll send it to you and you'll be like, and there'll be some scratch VO and you'll go in and redo, you'll write like what's going to be the actual narration. Did <laughs> you do the, the read on it? No, 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 no. They've got, they've got, they have a professional talent for that. No, I, I get, I, well, scratch VO. Yeah. Well, no, not necessarily. There's no scratch VO in it. No, it's, it could be like right here. That's it. You know, yeah. it's, um, um, you know. Give us, give us 15 seconds here. About what? Well, whatever you, you know. Whatever Do you like doing it? <sighs> okay, let, 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 aside from the fact that it's easy money, <laughs> yeah. which I don't want anybody to know. Um, well, there's going to be two or three now. <laughs> you know, well. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a different muscle. It's a different, it's a different deal. You know, Um some are better than others. I mean, some are better to to work on than others. Yeah. Not 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 the shows per se, but just individual episodes. You know, you can I I can tell when they're scrambling. Yeah. You, you, I'm sure you guys under know what that's like. Too. Oh yeah. You know, it's got a certain smell to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what is it? Uh, uh, yeah. For Dane talks about smells like stinky feet. Yeah. So you know. So. uh you grew up reading Hemingway? Because you talk a lot about Hemingway in your book. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's, and it's um, I, I think that was more like, I, I had a high school teacher who was like just a Hemingway guy in the 60s. And I st- started reading it. And, um, but I also like had, I mean, my influences are also personal. Well, because you don't, here's the thing. Yeah. You don't write like an outdoor writer. What does that mean? Well, you write like a writer. <laughs> well, so I'm okay. Okay, there's outdoor writers. Yeah. Right. Now, there's some aspects of outdoor writing in your writing that a writer would never think to do. Right. Courtesies, where you'd be like, instead of, I lifted old Bessie. Right. You might be like, I lifted X caliber make and model firearm. Dawn was a primrose promise. As a- Which is a outdoor writer thing to do. That a writer wouldn't do unless like Cormac McCarthy would do it, but it wouldn't be the same. It just would be different. Well, no, I, I should say it. Cause Cormac McCarthy in no country for old men does even say like someone had a nine millimeter parabellum or whatever. Right. 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 So yeah. So some writer writers do clarify calibers and grain bullets and whatnot, but generally you don't write like a, you don't write like an outdoor writer. Cause there's people here. Here's the way I'm putting it. There's people that are going to be writers. I was going to be a writer. Okay. They're going to be writers. They're like, I'm going to be a writer. I don't know what exactly I'm going to write about. That'll come out in time, but this is what I'm doing. And yeah. then you got people who were, uh, I'm going to do something in the outdoor industry. Not sure what it is. It'll emerge over time. And those two people have very different world views when they each wind up being an outdoor writer. And, and, and I guess in my case, I would, there was a mesh of the two, uh, uh, an intersection, um, where I was influenced as a young child into hunting, which was unusual. Cause I grew up in like LA. Cause your old man didn't hunt. No, but the guy 
I learned from was his friend. And I talk about in the book, I mean, why, why, am, I, why am I writing about Africa at you know, this late date? Um, what do you mean late date? It is a late date. I mean, you know, you mean like in your life. No, I think or I, that removed. From- I think I think I think I think that the the whole for the parameters around African writing have changed a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a time when it was, as I think I say somewhere in the book, I mean, the greatest adventure money could buy. Okay, let, let, let's pause for a minute. Pause because yes. you've recently published a book, August in Africa. Right. Yeah. So just I just want people to be aware, like like so and this book just came out. Or not, not like uh, within a year or so or what? Uh, yeah, within six months. Okay. Yeah. And it's and so, it's so uh so but the the piece, some of these pieces you wrote long ago. They're forty years old, some of them. Yeah. I started so, so to collect it in the so you're saying like after writing has changed between when you began Africa's changed from when I began. To, to when you're now putting this out in book form. Yeah, yeah. African hunting has changed. Um, like which because is, of Cecil the Lion? No, no. No? I don't think so. I, I, I think Cecil is the least of the worries. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that there's any way of putting that particular genie back in the bottle. That's, that's been going on since Born Free. You know, yeah. you know, back in the six, it's been going on for ages. Can we hold up? Can we hold off on this for a second? Sure. Um, so your old man didn't hunt. You were born in LA. Yeah. He had a buddy that hunted was, and went to Africa in the fifties. Oh, on, on, on very little money. Was, fact, your, was your dad a writer? No, my dad uh, was a, a machinist and actually he and his brother owned a, a company. So who was the first writer you knew? You mean... Like, what made you aware that there's a thing called writers and that you could be one? You know, it, it was... I, th- again, these are, these, are, these are wonderfully probing questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean, that's a good question. Uh, I, I had a certain facility for words, you know, which, which is, as I get older, is, is, is fleeting away. Mm-hmm. But, but really thank you um oh no yeah. I, just, I know what you're saying i know what you're saying because i feel like it's happened to me and then comes back again though it, but in some ways it's it's the uh you know it's 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 like it's like i, I my fastball is not there anymore but i'm learning i've got a lot more uh you know sliders and 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 fork balls and stuff i can my, my technique has gotten better really i think so I like to think so anyway. Those are terms for tricky uh, baseball pitches. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not... educated enough in sports. Oh, you stuff are. Like that. When right. someone says like fastball, I'm like, I'm like, tra- I'm tracking. You track one yeah. sport? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. Well, maybe not all our listeners, you know, aren't a huge baseball fans. Right. Well, anyway, um, so, I mean, if, if, if I'm going to be a totally autobiographical, it was the nuns. It was the nuns in grammar school. Mm. That they singled me out and they said, "You can write." Is that right? Yeah, and and that was like, and like I think like anything else, it was like this was a wonderful way to get attention. You know? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And it's funny when you go when someone when you need to express the thing like what caused something. 
Yeah. Because there's all there's it's like a game you could play like you know like like I'll often say like yeah I kind of wish I hadn't done my first book the way I did it. My wife's like, well, we wouldn't have met because I'm like, okay, but that's like that old story where the guy goes back in time to hunt a dinosaur and steps on a, a and they, they find yeah. a dinosaur that's about ready to die anyway and right. he's really careful yeah, right, while right. he's shooting the dinosaur he steps on a butterfly and comes back and the Nazis right. won World War II and, and Trump is president yeah oh so. wait a minute oh sorry <laughs> so, so <laughs> you do get into like what made it become that you became a writer right and it's it's a hard thing I, I've kind of like I look at I'm like it's kind of because of my 10th grade English teacher Robert Heaton. Sure. Kind of like if I had to go like well that, right? Right. Uh, and and as far as the the Hemingway thing, I'll I'll get put a plug in for my sophomore um English teacher at the you know with the Jesuits uh was uh Tom McCambridge, who's still around, who still talk. Um but I knew about hunting before I knew about Hemingway. Uh-huh. Except, well, that's not really true because I think this is very weird. I mean, and I don't know how these things happen. I was seven or eight years old, and I was riding with my father in his, um, I think it was a Buick Wildcat, 1961. And we were turning down this street called Cherokee in Downey, California. And the radio news came on and said, author Ernest Hemingway is dead. And this was in the summer of that year. And I really had no idea who he was. I was seven years old. And then fast forward into high school and this other... You know, this strange serendipity of, you know, forces coming together, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that was part of it. I think there was that allure of being, what kind of writer is this guy, Hemingway? You know, I mean, he can write about, you know, he can he can write about stuff. He can do stuff. He knows about stuff. I mean, I think there's a great line that that ultimately, you know, what writers have to know something. Yeah, <laughs> you know? and he knew. I mean, you know, he knew how to dig worms and go and go fishing in the big two-hearted river, you know, which doesn't exist. I don't think, or does it? You would little too it. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's it's. I mean, he, he also he he didn't he like fumble with the directions or am on purpose to kind of like you know. Make you ever sure. fished that river? No, I haven't either. Um, then you mean like the Nick Adams stories? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he 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 fudged the directions. So if you if you follow them, you'd never find the place. You'd never find it. Yeah, yeah. I mean he do, he wasn't going to tell you where his particular home of you. Yeah, grew yeah. up in Illinois. Now yeah. when he shot himself, yeah, catch him Idaho, catch him Idaho with a shotgun. I believe was purchased from Abercrombie and Fitch. It was a Boss ten gauge with with dual triggers. Please. But didn't it wind up being? There's a thing that happened not long ago. Uh, his family took the shotgun down to have a mechanic destroy it. Well, took he took a he took a cutting torch, and cut the whole. This is in Sylvia Calabrese. That's yeah. the guy's Hemingway's guns. Yep. And they and they and they and did this. And he whole, went and buried it, and they never found it. But he took a couple pieces, like the trigger, right? Why well, yeah, and, and put the, it in a matchbox, a little piece of the side lock. Yeah, and put it in a matchbox, and they and they're able to to go back and 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 piece it all together. 
Because it, it had always been thought that he had shot himself with some different shotgun. It turned out that the pieces in that matchbox was from a different shotgun than whatever he thought he killed himself with. Yeah. Now, you know you're something special when people will later argue about what gun it was that you killed yourself with. Yeah. yeah. But, it, but, but more than Hemingway, like, I feel like when you write, uh, I don't think you, you don't write like Hemingway. I don't think you like try to write like Hemingway. But the stuff he wrote in the 70s sounds, it, it reminded me a lot of like other guys that write in the 70s, even where like early Jim Harrison, early Tom McGuane. God. Um, and it sound it kind of reminded me like the structure of the stuff. Well, yeah, the, the, a, a disjointed structure that also reminded yeah, me of uh, yeah. the other guy that shot himself in Big Sur, California, Richard Brodigan. Yeah, did you read all those guys, or was it just something in the air? No, I read all those guys. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, that was the the the, the idea that you could actually be a uh, I think one of McGuane's favorite words, a sportsman. Yeah, you know, and and actually write about it. I I I had no interest in. Well, I didn't. I didn't live in that milieu anyway. I was I was never going to write about Manhattan. Mm-hmm. You know, I was never going to write the Jay McInerney kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I wasn't going to write novels anyway, as it turned out. Um, though I did have I do have one novella, but anyway, they um, the Snow Leopard, the Snow Leopard's Tale, yeah. yeah. And uh, Alan Jones. Not the Snow Leopard. Snow Leopard's Tail. Snow Leopard's Tail, which yeah. was. Not T-A-I-L. No, T-A-L-E. It's, it's, it was what we finally came with Alan Jones over at Bangtail Press yeah. right here in town. And he says, hello. Um, we, uh, that's what we came up with. So anyway, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, that stuff was out there. And that was, that was where you'd looked, you know. It was, you know, it was, that was the way it was. I. Somehow I had this notion that you could actually make it as a writer and not have to get sucked into academia mm-hmm. or someplace else. One of my, uh, I don't, this is apropos, uh, you know what people say, like, speaking of which, or, or like, let's say you're talking about frogs, you know, and you're like, yeah, frogs are, generally, a lot of frogs are green. And then someone will say, speaking of frogs, um, and then I'll tell you something about frogs. Yeah. I find myself a lot of times in conversation, like wanting to raise a point that I can't even say speaking of which, <laughs> but like, it's not even related to what we're talking But a favorite thing of mine about Tom McGuane, speaking he, of, no, speaking of, yeah. Speaking of McGuane, he writes great short stories still to this Michelle's day. Michelle's favorite oh, yeah. writer. Yeah. Oh, that's One right. Them, yeah. yeah. yeah you ever said anything yet? Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Hi. I like Tom McGuane. Yeah. Hi, so McGuane still writes. I mean, he writes phenomenal short stories. Oh, yeah. There's two short story writers I like right now. I like Tom McGuane and I like uh, a girl named Curtis Sittenfeld. Don't know her. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Pieces in New York. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. She is good. Huh. So McGuane, he's got an essay he wrote about hunting, and it's like a 70s style essay. Well, it wasn't the 70s. Everybody's essays in the 70s all were kind of the same. It's just good versions mm-hmm. of bad versions of it. Like every, like pasta, right? Like spaghetti with meat sauce. You look at it and say, like, oh, you know, spaghetti with meat sauce. There's something that's good, there's something that's not. Essays in the 70s looked a certain way. His were the good version. Well, it was... And, it was, he, yeah. and he's got this piece he wrote where in it he's imagining a conversation. I talk about this all the time. He's imagining a conversation between a hunter and an anti-hunter. And the anti-hunter is taking the hunter to task. Right. And like, why do you have to kill deer? What did deer do to you? 
And the hunter's like, I, I can't talk about it this way. Right. And they're like, no. Why do deer have to die for you? Would you die for a deer? And he says, if it came to that, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is, it, it, I mean, in s- circles and a spiral and a wheel within a wheel. No, it's the, uh, um, like, his editor for that piece was Terry McDonald, who coincidentally later became my editor at sports a field got you i know that yeah that's the and and then he uh and you know and then his his uh (laughs) took i took terry terry out on an antler well i went back to new york and i was saying like you're editing an outdoor magazine i said yeah you ever you ever hunted anything and he goes no he's like does that matter (laughs) yeah yeah i said yeah it matters and i said Come out to Wyoming and we'll hunt antelope with uh, black powder rifles. And he said, okay. So, you know, we came out and, um, you know, he was out in this blind, I guess, and this antelope walked by and he killed it very, you know, serviceably. And then I was walking out to them and I got up to him and he was like looking at me and he said, you know, Tom, I saw you crossing the field. I said, yeah. And I suddenly had this urge to shoot and kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, really, Terry? I said, yes, yes, I did. <laughs> anyway, that, that evening went on for a, quite a little while, and the next morning he had to catch a plane, and I had to come in and wake him up and ask him what he wanted for breakfast, and he said, uh, I'll have the surfer breakfast. And I go, the, the, the surfer breakfast? And he goes, he goes yeah, uh, Twinkie and a Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> I said, so anyway, but he he actually commissioned that piece uh, by McGuane. The McGuane piece. Yeah. And it was actually McGuane went to him. He, well, he said, I want you to, I'm starting, he was starting outside. And he said, I want you to write a piece for outside. And uh, McGuane said, I don't suppose you'd want something about hunting. And he goes, well, it's not really kind of where we're at, but sure. Yeah. I've wedged, I've wedged a number of house, hunting stories into outside over the years. There you go. You got to cram them in there, but if you try hard enough, you can stick it in there. Now, uh, there's a thing you say in your book that really surprised me. I want to make sure that you think this is correct. That Africa has a lower percentage of what one would call wilderness than does the world in general. Supposedly. Uh, that are that those are the statistics that I guess it kind of makes sense if you think about and it and it's the, all, like it, if you think about it, the and boreal it's and it's semantics the circumpolar boreal like they are the the Antarctic you know uh, it, it, there's but the other figure that's more interesting I think is that there is more wilderness in North America than there is in Africa I just well but but you have to realize that the African Africans are um, essentially pastoralists and agrarians. So they are, you know, they are, and there's only, there's a billion of them, you know, there's a billion Africans yeah. and, and they tend to be spread out. You know, it's, it's, if you took off of here and went up in the mountains someplace and were walking around, you would be surprised to run into somebody, you know? You you could, but I mean in, in you, places, yes, in places. Yeah. If you know, it, there is almost no place in Africa where you will not run into somebody. They'll be on foot. They may be carrying a spear. They may be driving a cow. They may be doing whatever, you know. But 
that tempers the definition of wilderness. You know, so it's it's it is more of I mean it is a, a it is a rural society more than a wilderness society. A wilderness society is that a product possibly of um, maybe the landscape or the people requiring a larger piece of the landscape? They have to, to live. Exist? They have to live. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you know Val Geist up in BC. Val, we talk about that guy every day. Yeah, I love him. He's a great guy. Um, yeah, Val's Val. Anyway, so Val would like you know Val is like. Well, I was asking him. I said, "What'll produce more biomass?" And he goes, "Well, you got to remember, African is as he says, thin soils. They don't. They didn't have the advantages of glaciers pushing all this topsoil down mm-hmm. like we have here." And so we have a much more fertile base, as it were, that there, you, you, can, you can grow a lot less in Africa than you can here. And because of that, the people tend to be more spread out. Yeah. And so they're, they're – It's like how cows are spread out. Yeah. If you go look at, like, like grazing ratios in Florida. Yeah. Cows per acre. Yeah. I mean, look at cows per acre in West Texas. It takes a hell of a lot more yeah. ground. I mean, if you want to, if you want to raise cattle, you go to Iowa and you feed them silage. You know, it, it, that's that's the sensible way of doing it. Yeah. Um, you ever see a map of where you could raise cattle without supplemental feed? No, but I'm pretty sure it's fascinating. It's not a big chunk of ground. No, <laughs> no, no. It's, I mean, it's and it's like you know, it's how much how much corn is raised for cattle. Yeah. So. So. Uh, yeah, that really threw me for a loop. And and, and, and I should clarify, like I've never uh, I've never stepped foot on Africa. I've always been kind of interested in going there, um, and I've come kind of close sometimes to going there hunting. But I have so many so many things about it give me pause, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'll ask you about a lot of those things. Sure, but sure. it's I, I'm coming at you in discussing this. Um, not not from an educated perspective. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, Oftentimes, I have the luxury of talking that, to people that, that, that I already that, know about. That's it. That, <laughs> that doesn't stop a lot of people from, from no. But talking I feel like well, what what doesn't happen is a lot of people don't lay that out. Up right, front. right. Well, that's 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 an admirable position. Yeah. You talk in your uh, you talk in your book, and this might be a good way to kind of lay out like when you started going there, and how many times you've been there. Yeah. You talk in your book at a point where you say there's old school African hunting. Yeah. And there's new school African hunting, right? What are they, and when did, and when did, uh, the the when did it tip? Well, I, I think I, I I I can't deny that there are probably aspects of what I kind of think of as old school. Let's put it this way: when I first started going to Africa forty plus years ago, you when you were in your twenties, yeah, it was it was yeah what. When I first started going there, it was we would go off we we would go to the game department and we would get licenses and permits. It wasn't just complete, you know, laissez faire. But and the permits were expensive or inexpensive? Well, no, all, relatively speaking, it depends on where you were. You know, I mean, I guess they were expensive at the time, but I I had I had so it a, wasn't like buying like elk tags as a resident <laughs> or like buying a deer tag as a resident in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. Let's put it this way. I mean, it was. It it has certainly become exponentially more expensive okay. from what it was. It, like, ahead, what it, it's ahead of inflation. Yeah, 
what it was in those days was probably not considered cheap. I had the, the, the benefit. I had some money that I had gotten and I had enough money to either, let's say, go put a down payment on a house okay. or go to Africa. This is the first time you went. Yeah. You didn't go as a writer. No, I wasn't. I wasn't published. Oh, you know? I got you. So I just went. I, you know, and it was like, it was like, it was like, what are you going to do when you get back? You know, this was my question more than anything else. And I didn't have an answer. I mean, I didn't, I didn't. Well, I guess I'll come back and try to write about something. Okay. You know, but I, for some reason, because of my experience of friend of my father's, his influence on me, you know, too many books read at too young an age. Um, I wanted to go. I wanted to see it. That's a quote in your book. I guess. Where Hemingway, what, what Hemingway book was that? Where Hemingway, where one of the characters says, hey, we should go to Africa yeah. and go hunting. The other character's like, never had any desire. He goes, that's just because you haven't read a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's from uh, 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 The Sun Also Rises. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, they, uh, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's the, you know, it, what was I going to say? Uh, the, the, uh, that I, when I went there, you, you had, you were, you were mobile. You moved, you know, you, if, if we will go, we will, we would go into an area and we would find a spot and we'd go, you know, under the fever trees and we would put the tents up and then we would hunt and then, and not hunting. These aren't fenced areas. Oh God. No, no, just, just no, 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 no. When no, you no. say we, who is we? Well, me and the, I'd have a professional hunter, you know, that would just be the two of us. Two of you. On the track. <laughs> That's another thing I mentioned in the book. I mean, cause basically you have. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's a, it's a polite fiction that the, the professional hunter is, is there for, you know, but the guys who are really doing the work are the trackers because they are so good at what they do. They, they are. But in those early so days, though, it was still you, professional hunter and multiple trackers. Yeah. The professional hunter is like a liaison. He's, he's a legal requirement, but he's also, he's, he's more than that. But he's, it's not a legal requirement that he be white. No. And, and I've hunted with black professional hunters. Okay. You know, who've been are great guys. I mean, you know, Na- like native born. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I guess most of the white professional hunters. Well, no, you mentioned a lot were born in England and elsewhere. Not necessarily. No, oh. I mean, some of them. You know, the first guy hunted with John Fletcher. He was actually born in India. Okay, um, but he was a, he was a colonialist. I guess is a you know without any pejorative attachment to that word. Yeah. Um, but he was with Kerr Downey and Selby. You know, and that was that was, you know, this was a this is kind of the way it was in those days is I found a night, I knew the name Curran Downey. Um, which from, is what, an outfitter? Yeah. It was like Robert Rourke, you know, and those guys hunted with, with Curran Downey. And then Harry Selby is the guy who was Rourke's professional hunter. Yanni likes that guy, Rourke. And, and, and he, he put in with these two guys and they became Kerr Downey and Selby safaris. Yeah. Mm. And, I actually knew the name. I had no other information on them. And I, I, a friend of mine had gone to Nairobi and he'd come back with the phone book. He'd stolen the phone book because he thought it was pretty cool to have a, 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 you know, the Nairobi phone book. And I, so I looked it up. I got their name and address out of the thing and I wrote them a letter and I said, I want to go hunt with you guys. And this letter came back with all these blue lions on the outside of the letter going, we'd love to have you come hunt with us. Please go. And, um, so that's how I got over there, you know. Now, of course, today you're going to go to like the conventions, and you're going to go to a booking agent. You're going to, you know, you're going to, 
It's yeah. all it's all going to be brokered for you. It's all going to be negotiated. Anyway, that's and that's the way it is. And I and I don't. I'm not one of those kind of guys who like says, "Well, that's you know, that makes it all bad." It's just the way it makes it the way it is. Yeah. But um, so when no, when I first went there, and and it was and it was that was a, still this 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 holdover of the kind of some of the worst aspects of colonialism. I, I mean, I'm not going to deny that. When I, the way I hunted in Kenya in, at that time, I mean, this is the way that people had been hunting for 70, 80 years, you know? And, and it was the way... I mean, what was the way? Like, what's the, stru- the structure? The, 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 it was the structure, the, the, the organization, you know? The, the fact that you were going into an area and you were hunting. You know, we were the... But what was colonial? Because it, it was exploitative of the... Well, it was... It was well, a skin color was, was, you know... A factor. A factor. Um, in, 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 in com- it, you mean in compensation, in no, hierarchy? No, it was just the way it was. But I'm saying it was a factor in what? It was a, the way the the, the 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 way the safari system had been structured, and and evolved from you know like Roosevelt on, is you had you had a professional hunter with a licensed hunter, and then it was you know he would set up the camps and he he had responsibility and it was. You know, what they wanted to make sure was that when the, the Mzungu, the crazy white guy who's going over here to hunt, he's not going to get killed. Okay. We, we don't want him to be killed. Because that's going to look bad. It's not going to be good for our, our tourist industry. Okay. You know, I mean, the second time, the first time Hemingway went to Tanzania or Tanganyika in those days, that was on his own dime, or at least his wife's uncle's dime, you know, and it was a pretty expensive deal in those days. If you figure it out, it's not you. When he went back the second time to Kenya for, I don't know how long, months, he was there um, as the guest of the Kenyan game department. Okay. Because they wanted, we would love to have some promotion to get people here to, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of on the cusp of the Mau Mau uprisings and we're getting some bad press and we want to, you know, we would love to have you come in here and, and, you know, hang around. And so that's what he was. I, th- I, I, I got to say, because I feel like I'm missing something. Sure. The first time you went. Yeah. You go there and you, there, there's a feller, the PH. Right. He's a white guy. Right. And there's some element of, he's a colonial. Being that yeah. European countries carved up Africa. Right. And they had colonies. Yeah. And there was a, offset power structure right. that favored those white individuals or the indigenous individuals that live there. Well, it was and economic, also, yeah. And also hunting with you are trackers. The, the, the trackers are there as, you know, they're, they're working for, they are hired by the, the professional hunter. And you say they do the heavy lifting of the hunting. They're the guy, they're the guy you put them on a track and they're going to, they're going to, figure out where that track ends up to a degree where you're like holy shit this guy's good at tracking oh man oh man like you wouldn't be able to do you know that's the scary part if you follow those guys around even for a, 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 a few weeks you can begin to like actually you know kind of deceive yourself into figuring out oh what it is they're doing yeah and and, and you get to the point where you start you can like look. Oh, here's a buffalo track. Look how look how it look how the edge is shiny. 
it's fresh. You know, it's not blown over. You know, so it was probably this morning. Let's go. Let's get on this track and and go. And you also mentioned how the coarseness of the vegetation yeah. in the buffalo shit, yeah, giving you an indication of tooth wear, especially, especially elephants. Elephants, you can look at, you can get the, you know, the the uh, elephant dung is like this basketball laying on the ground, and you you can look at how coarse the the grass stems are in it. That will tell you that it's an older bull because his his teeth are worn down and he's not he's not chewing it as much as he could. Yeah. As a younger one would. So that's that's an indication of something. It doesn't you know, none of that tells you if you're elephant hunting, none of that tell and I've never hunted I've never taken an elephant, although I would have, maybe, but I never have. Um and I add the 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 that the uh the, the fact is that that you, that doesn't tell you how big the ivory is, you know. The size of the track doesn't tell you anything. If it's got a big tusk or not, no. You know? All right. So old school, yeah. New school, new school is now okay. Well, old school is. Explain more about old school. Okay. Well, old school is essentially you were hunting the, as close to wilderness in Africa as you could find. Okay. You know, as we were talking about before, it was it was when by the definition of wilderness in this country probably wouldn't qualify. You know, there were motor vehicles allowed. You could, you know, but you were out in the middle of nowhere, you know, and it was, and you would find, you'd run across, you know, Maasai who were still, I mean, guys with spears, guys were still, these guys were still spearing lions in those days. Okay. You know, and, and it was all essentially, it was, it was government land, open land, wild land. It, it was. It wasn't controlled by anybody. You just roaming around. You were. You were essentially. You had. Yeah. You had essentially. You had. You had. You had arranged for the right to hunt it for a, a certain amount of time. You know, and and a certain perimeter. You know, they 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 broke it up on what they called hunting blocks, and you would actually get block sixty, and you would hunt block sixty, which might be two hundred fifty thousand acres. I don't know. I mean, it was just go on forever yeah. and the ph arranged that with the government yeah yeah i mean he was he was he, you know that's what they did they'd go to the game department now fast forward 30 40 years to the new school new school and you kind of get to the south african model and the south african model the land is owned by the hunter or by a landowner and then the hunter professional hunter will like sort of lease that out yep you know and he'll bring in his clients quote unquote clients and they will um and it's why quote unquote sorry oh i just there's there you know you get that you get into that that weird area like is am i a hunter am i a client am i not you know you go back and forth on that i don't understand what you're saying well you know it's 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 how much how much hand holding are you getting okay you know and and meaning a client gets more than a hunter Client is the term, I think, to avoid confusion with professional hunter. You know, that, that, that you are a, the, the client is a hunter. The professional hunter is the licensed guide yeah. on the hunt. So I think for, to, the, the, the term of art is client. You are the client of the professional hunter. Yeah. But that would seem like a really literal, perfect word. Client? Yeah. Yeah. You're giving the guy money to take you hunting. You're his client. Yep. Yep. Same thing in this country when you go, you know, 
Do you think that's, guys a, that's got, the word Giannis, Giannis guided? He he knows to talk about. He talks about clients. Yeah. Do you think guys go over there and then disliked being called clients because they wanted to be called? The uh, well, you know, I mean, there's 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 you know, everybody wants to be Jungle Jim. You right. know, everyone wants to come back wearing. You know, as soon as they go, they want to run out and buy the safari jacket and the you know the bullet holes or the. The, the the pouches in the in the in the shirt so they, they aspire to be taken more seriously than they are yeah yeah well you know and 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 there's a great line i got I can, and i think i quote jim harrison in the book where he talks about that you know that uh, um there, there's a there's a certain amount of african hunting that um is really a, a, a polite fiction or a, a a little comedy that 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 wealthy sportsmen play on their less well-heeled brethren back home you know it's like they're always getting charged by a lion. Or, oh yeah, you know, yeah, I'm with you. Attacked by a cape buffalo or something. So and then and, and, and well, it, it, but anyway, the the and 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 there is a point to this <laughs> that um, so now it's like you know, and God bless them. I mean, if you want to go to Africa, go to Africa. And if and God bless if, who any any hunter who wants to go to Africa, really, if he wants to go to South Africa and he wants to shoot a kudu and a oryx and a whatever. You know, I don't. I don't feel bad about that because the meat is going to be used, every scrap of it. But in the new school model, yeah. what's the main? I, don't, I still don't understand the main difference. Time. I think it's. I think more than anything else, it's 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 schedule, and time. And if you go there, you like they run it like a hunt factory. In some instances, in some cases, that doesn't mean you cannot find places in Africa that are not that, you know? And I, the more you, for lack of a better term, mature in your African hunting, the less interesting that kind of hunting becomes. So sketch out that kind of hunting. Because can I tell you what I think you, what, yeah. my, my impression? Yeah. Let's start with my impression sure. based on nothing. Sure. And you tell me where I'm wrong. Sure. My impression of going to South Africa to hunt is you're hunting on fenced land. Yeah. And you go and you have a budget. Yeah. And they're like, you can shoot that and that's $5,000. You can shoot that and that's $8,000. And guys walk, drive around in a truck and they're like, oh, no shit. That's what one of those looks like. Bam. And the guy's like, that's six. And he's like, well, I can only spend 20. Yeah. So let's go shoot some more shit till I get up to 14 and yeah. I'm, then I'm heading home. Keep the tally going. Um, Is that wrong? No, oh well. I mean, it, I mean, I mean, in the in the in the cosmic sense, yeah, it's really wrong. But I mean, in the sense of of what you're gonna, what the way things can be, yeah. can be, and I I want to make sure I make that clear. Can be that can be the experience many people go to Africa and come back and describe as their African hunt, and that plays out over how many days? How how fast do you want to shoot them? They're that abundant. Depends. Depends on what the guy's got. You know, I mean, he's got. You know, he's he he, he may have a he may have a run on Springbok this week. <laughs> so, what do you mean by that? Well, he may have he may he may go. I've got I've got I've got a thousand acres of productive Springbok habitat. Okay, and I've got that will support fifty Springbok. Or, you know, 100 spring. And market. he puts them in there or they're there? He's put them in there before they have bred. 
Okay. They they are usually self-sustaining and breeding on their own, you know. But they are cutting animals loose into there for people to go get. No, the animal is there. You're just going inside to get it. So it's not like uh, it's not like the kind of canned hunt or fence hunt where they cut the animal loose in the morning. No, 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 no. no and no. you go shoot it that day. No, no, they don't do that. They don't do that in Africa. No. Well, I I can't say that. It's a big place. I it's a, there there may be places where that happens. I don't know that you know. I mean, I, I've hunted. I, I, in all, I've hunted behind fences, and it's it was okay, but I very quickly learned the difference. You did because yeah. you had started out in yeah. the and, wild and, roaming, and, roaming in the wild. Yeah, and so whenever I could go back, you know, I haven't gone to, I haven't hunted in South Africa in twenty years. Is South Africa kind of uh, the, the the center of the new school? Yeah. I, what remains the center of the old school? Well, Tanzania. Tanzania is still roaming around in the woods. Is, is yeah, and it's fabulously expensive. Oh, it is. Oh God, yeah. It's more expensive to roam around in the woods. Oh yeah, dealing oh, yeah. with uncertainty. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. than yeah. it is to oh, yeah. not roam around oh, oh, and have certainty. Absolutely. So that's, guys know the difference. Because people pay for that experience, so you're they, saying. They're, they're, yeah, that's the whole point. They're not paying for the animal. They're paying for the experience. When they go to someplace like Tanzania, the animal becomes a matter of indifference. And in, it, okay, that's not correct either. But I'm just saying, you know, it isn't like, you know, the, 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 the first things too many guys can do is, is, is go up to an animal and go, where does this go in the book? <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and they expect their their professional hunter to tell them, "Oh, uh, that'll be in the top um, the top ten percent." You know, and they'll go, "Okay, great." And then, I I I I, I am at a loss for why that exists. Yeah, but but at the same time, I can also realize that it does support game lands in South Africa that would otherwise have absolutely no economic value. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a, that's the part of it that starts to get really complicated. It's, 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 it's a bargain with the devil. You know, it's, it's, do I want to go there and hunt? Probably not. Because why? I just don't have a good feeling afterward. It's how many times have you hunted in Africa? 13 or 14 times over the last 40 years. No, I mean, there's guys who've hunted lots. This lots, guy's have gone more, much, much more. The guy, the guy who wrote the introduction to my book, Craig Boddington, yep. has hunted a hundred times. Get incredible deals on premium cuts from Butcher Box. Do you like free protein for a whole year? Well, deals this good are hard to come by at the grocery store. I at home, well, I got two freezers, but you know what I'm saying. I like to have a freezer stocked full of stuff. I like feeling prepared, man. When I come home and it's time to make dinner, I like to go in. I got all my proteins lined up in there. Just makes me feel good about stuff. And with Butcher Box, you'll always be prepared with meat in the freezer. It means fewer trips to the grocery store. Delivered right to your doorstep with free shipping always. You get a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. You'll get exclusive deals as a member, too. Sign up at ButcherBox.com slash eater and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free 
and every order for a year. So every box you get has that in it free for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash meat eater. Make sure you use code meat eater to choose your free for a year offer plus $20 off your first order. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? And you probably got rain gear, but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear. Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow, so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. Now, why in your whole book do you never mention someone shooting a hippopotamus? They do. I, and I, I, I've actually, I, I would, <laughs> that's kind of one of my dark secrets that I would love to do someday. But I don't want to shoot him in the water. I want to shoot him on the land. The reason I asked that. Yeah. The reason I asked that is I think that Growing up where, growing up in the United States, well, the other day I had a conversation with a friend of mine who just gone to New Zealand. Yeah. And we're talking about wildlife management in New Zealand. Right. Okay. Where, wild, where generally the wildlife of general interest, the hunters is all non-native, oftentimes deleterious, exotic wildlife. Sure. We're talking about like that world. And I was saying to him that, Growing up in the United States and understanding our systems in the United States leaves you completely ill-prepared to understand wildlife and wildlife management in a place like New Zealand. Or, or, or Europe. or Yeah, yeah almost the rest anywhere. of the you know, Most, world. Other than there's an added North layer America. to it in Africa where I think that we don't know those animals we only know the fictionalized version of the animals in mm-hmm. Africa. We don't know. We don't know hippos. We know hippos as the way they've been presented to us in this elaborate fiction, Fantasia, the dancing, the and, dancing hippos in the and this elaborate Fantasia, yeah. of animation, yeah, of like kids, American kids learn what a zebra is before they learn what an elk is. Yeah, it's like. Animals, those animals are somehow, some of those animals are so charismatic and yeah. so yeah. otherworldly 
that it winds up being that your average kid would be like giraffe, elephant, zebra, lion, and he would not be able to go jaguar, mountain lion, yeah. bobcat, elk, like a blacktail, whitetail, bighorn sheep. It just is like whitetail. Like mm-hmm. we live with these animals in a way that that forms an impression of them as being somehow other than animals. So I think that a lot of the complication around Africa would be like a lot of people look and, and I was reading your book, waiting for a hippo to come into it. Yeah. Cause when I look at a dude with a dead hippo, I just do not see a game animal. I don't know what I see, but I'm like, how in the world? Why? How? Well, well, you know, I mean, that's, do you get that feeling? Oh, sure. I noticed you like sure. to hunt animals. There that seem You hunt sure. animals that seem like, yeah, you had a great sure. line. You talk about a giraffe, you jumped up and it looked like a radio tower yeah. decided to run away. And I've and I've I've had people extol <laughs> the virtues of what a wonderful thing it was when they killed a giraffe. But and you don't want to do it. I have absolutely no interest. Why don't you in want to shoot? Why in your book does no one really shoot at the animals that all little kids know about? Well, I don't know if that's true or not. I mean, uh, you know, giraffes and stuff. I mean, not giraffes, but zebras. Sure, I like. You've hunted zebras. Oh yeah, I like zebras. Okay. You know, I mean, they're they're tough and they're smart, and they seem and you and in your time in Africa, the zebra became like a game animal, it and not been, like a thing from a child's mobile. It's always been. It's all. It's always been a game animal. Yeah. You know. I mean. No, but your perception of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I you know. I, you know, and there's a, the other aspect of it is one thing you, you begin to realize that you become something of a surrogate for the Africans you are hunting with. Okay. The people you are with who are the trackers. You become the surrogate hunter for them because of the gross and fair unfairness, frankly, of the game laws, you know. Um, oh, that you're able to hunt and they're not. They they can't afford it. They can't. They can't have firearms. They can't have... You know, they, yeah. you, you had a line, you had a line where you talked about poaching is a word for people doing what they used to do, but now it's illegal for them to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's like you, one day you went from a guy out getting food yeah. and the next day you're a poacher. <laughs> well, it's pretty much it. I mean, you know, the, the whole system of the, of the colonial park system where they would take all these people and run them off of the, you read, I mean, I was talking about, uh, about Ionides, the, uh, yep. I read that piece. You know, there, yeah. And this guy created one of the, the monumental game reserves in human history. In what country is that? In Tanzania, in the Salu. But he did it in a... In a- 21,000 square miles of wilderness. And he did it in the most bloodthirsty way imaginable. He didn't kill anybody, but he made sure that... They had to leave. The pastoralists. Yeah, the pastoralists. And he had he got them out of there. You know? And now that is Yeah, you were mentioned that he had spent a big part of his career killing problem elephants. Yeah. But then once he got on this idea yeah. of establishing a wilderness. Salute. Yeah. That when people would move in, they would provide no assistance to those people. Right. They if would, a lion was getting them. If an elephant was getting him, it was like, tough shit, this is wilderness. And, and, and he wanted to create literally a sanctuary for elephants where they were safe from poachers, um, 
you know, that they, they could basically, in that 21,000 square miles, they never had to go outside the boundaries of that area. And they, they were protected, you know. And it was part of the problem you get into, and it's, it's, always, a, it's always a tough one, is, is where, where on the scale does the value of the animal begin to outweigh the value of the human, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're Norm Dude, Str- that's a humongous question in this country. Well, Norm Strong, who used to live here in Bozeman, he used to write for Field and Stream. And he would go down to Mexico every winter. He would like shut the house down. He and his wife still, and they jump in the in the bass boat, and they'd go down to Lake Obregon or someplace down there. And they'd live there all winter fishing. And he said the first day he came back, he got to this village, and everybody comes out. They go, "How'd you do?" He goes, "Oh man, we must have had 150 fish, you know, all all largemouth bass." And they go, "Really? Where are they?" And they go. We threw him back. And he goes, you threw him back? You know? and, he goes, and then he started looking around, and he started seeing all these little kids with pellagra and, and, you know, swollen bellies and stuff. And, these, you know, this was a long time ago down in Mexico. But these villages, these villages were poor, and they were protein hungry. Yeah. And he said, he said, after that, to hell with it, I never threw anything back. I brought it in. And I gave it away. So, I mean, you kind of get into that bind when you're there. It's like, it's like, what's you mean, like, you mean literally human life because we could look and be like, like we have a conflict in this country with, with wilderness or wildlands where we'd be like, I'm not asking you like this wilderness. isn't going to mean you die. This is going to mean you might make a little less money. Than we you have otherwise we, might have made. We have a tremendous luxury. Yeah. And 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 we have just this unsurpassed gift. You know, that that Africans would look at and they would they wouldn't understand you if you tried to explain to them, you know, what why 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 aren't you why didn't you kill that lion? And they go, "Well, it's a beautiful animal. I didn't want to kill it. I just wanted to watch it, you know, go off into the sunset." And they go, that lion just killed two of my cows. You know? It chased my brother up a tree last week. <laughs> so you would never have a situation. Because in your book, you get the sense. It's a weird part of, the, yeah. of your trips. Where you're out and what would be like, you're out in crazy shit. Lions running around, yeah. baboons, crazy animals, elephants. Yeah. Yeah. And then like dudes come rolling through camp. Yeah. And see if they could get like a chunk of meat. Yeah. And they got a cow with them. Yeah. So did you, would you ever encounter... Would you ever encounter people out in the in the wilderness who are like, man, it's not right that you're out here shooting our animals? Well, I, I, I don't know if you ever read or, or you know who Joy Adamson was. No. Adam, she was she was the author who wrote Born Free. Okay, and she was a uh, she was actually an Austrian, I think, and she was married to George Adamson, who was one of the, you know. The kind of the, the 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 bodhisattva of of game rangers in Kenya. I mean, he was he was such an early proponent of concert. Anyway, I mean, he was a you know, and and she was uh, he was an early proponent of not shooting all the animals. Well, he was in he, order to have he some. Was, to he, shoot. Yeah, well, he was a proponent of like like you know he he was he he was 
there on the ground working this stuff, you know? And then the whole story of Born Free is they found some lion. They found a I lion. I only know the song Born Free. Yeah. Well, they found a lion cub. Their mother was killed or something or was dead. And then so they raised the lion cub and it was called Elsa. And okay. they raised Elsa the lion. And there was this, you know, then the song Born Free. And eventually she turned the lion back loose into the wild and let it go free again. And, and then it eventually started, they, 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 where the movie ended, they didn't mention the fact that the lion kept kind of hanging around, you know, people's camps and houses and villages. And somebody finally killed it. Didn't get real wild. Yeah, no, it never, it was, it was habituated. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, like don't feed the bears. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I, I was in with Fletcher in Kenya. We were in, in Amboseli Park. We were changing blocks, and we stayed overnight in the lodge. And so we're in the restaurant, and, like, and like I look up, and, and I go, I see this blonde woman running around, you know, greeting and meeting everybody. And I go to Fletcher. I said, uh, is that? He goes, goes, he goes, yeah, yeah. It's Joy Adamson. And I said, really? Oh, he goes, God's sakes, don't tell her we're hunting. <laughs> <laughs> And so then, even then and even there. Well, even then, even there. And then, you know, and then she was eventually murdered by one of her servants because she was just not a nice lady. Damn. Well, you can be pretty mean and still not deserve to get murdered. I didn't say she deserved it, but I'm just saying that, that she certainly didn't go out of her way to be nice. You ever, you ever see the movie Bernie? Bernie. No, what's that one? It just explores, like, how bad do you got to be? Right before it's okay for someone to kill you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not I'm not advocating. No, no, I don't think you are. No, no. Um a thing I've noticed in recent years. Yeah. In well, let me interrupt that. You do you do a really good job of writing about giraffes running away. Right. The analogies. Right. Construction equipment taking off. Yeah. Or other things. Yeah. But a thing that the thing I think about when I think about Africa, especially through the lens of just why, like, like I'm interested in the controversies of hunting, right? Sure, sure, sure. Everybody is. And, and, uh, Africa, like, like the behavior of Americans in Africa generates this never ending amount of, of outrage. Well, the behavior of Americans almost anywhere, you know. <laughs> sure, I we we have we have a chief executive who was who was saying to the uh, first lady of France yesterday. Well, she's good looking in good physical no, no, shape. Yeah, you're in really great shape. So that, yeah, that really surprised. That didn't surprise me. But it was like it's like uh, not reading the room real well. No, it's no no filter. No not fil- reading the room. Real no filter. Well. well, it's 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 basically the I, I figured it out. It's the it's the billionaire seduction technique. You know, like, hey, baby, I got, yeah. a, I got a billion dollars. He told her, he turned to her and says, you're in very good physical shape. And turns to the president in France and says, beautiful, very good physical shape. At which point she steps backwards. <laughs> Dude, it was like, yeah, it was really surprising because um, I would go and meet the president of France. Yeah. And I would be thinking, I'll tell you one thing I'm not going to talk about is his wife. Yeah. How is she over a, <laughs> how is she over a muddy track? <laughs> so... The thing I've noticed about Africa is that uh, African uh, outrage, okay? So every day, like if you follow social media, every day there's a thing that everyone's supposed to be outraged over. And we feign outrage and share our feigned outrage over social media. And one of the things, one thing that people love to feign outrage over is someone having shot something in Africa that was cute. 
or that was a, a, a fantastical animal that we, uh, that we feel is fantastical because of the way they're woven into the fabric of our culture, African megafauna. But it seemed to me that the thing that with Americans, they get more pissed the weirder it seems that the person that shot the thing would have been there shooting stuff. So if there's a guy that made millions doing like heating and cooling <laughs> from Florida, dentists, dentists, if he shoots something, yeah. generally, yeah. generally it's different. If a young gal, if a young gal, a high school gal, say, yeah. were to go and shoot something in Africa, that is more offensive to Americans. Yeah. And if it was a guy from the heating and cooling industry. Yeah. Yeah. Except for Cecil the Lion, the dentist guy. Yeah. Now, if that had been a high school cheerleader, that would have been like really bad. Yeah. But it was as bad as could be. Now, as a guy who's been going there 40 years. Yeah. What what's your take on all that? Well, like who's to blame for how ridiculous that all seems? Well, the, the the first thing is is don't post your pictures on social media. Uh, as as if that's I, a message. If I can give you, if I if I am going to be your uh, uh, you know campaign advisor, okay. do not do not post the pictures on social media. But that's why people do stuff. And, today. and that and that and that, and that is exactly the. That's prob- why people get out of bed. That's the exactly the problem. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I remember talking to a PH one time and he was telling me about this guy had taken this just incredible looking animal. I mean, it was, a, I think it was a, a Nile Leshwe. I don't even know what the hell that yeah, is. Yeah, right. That was not my mobile as a child. No, no, no. But it was a beautiful Nile. It was a, you know, it was one of those kind of things that you could just, even if you'd never seen a Nile Leshwe before, if you saw this one, you would go, that is the Nile Leshwe of Nile Leshwe. I guess this Can is you a, kind of sort it's of not a bird. It? Is it a monkey? No, no, no. Okay. It's, a, it's, a, it's an antelope. It's an antelope. Oh, Michelle's pulling up a picture. Oh, yeah, that's a good looking critter. Or Mrs. Gray's Leshwe. Oh, yeah. They're black and white yeah. with big S shaped horns. Yeah, that's anyway. a bad mofo right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm tracking. I okay, so there that you looks go. like a game animal to me. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and, it's, and they're good eating, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's the other aspect. But. You know, he had this guy who'd like who would like hunt with him, and he he was showing me this picture. Oh, that's great looking. He goes, "What did he? You know, what did he, did he put in the book?" I think he goes, "No, he doesn't have. He, no, he has nothing." And he said, "This guy has killed so many hunted. I would rather say this guy has hunted more trophy book animals in Africa than almost anybody I know. He's never put a single one in the book because he doesn't want to. He doesn't care about that, the recognition. Yeah, that's not why he's doing it. I like that guy." Well, yeah. I mean, you're aware that I'm a turkey grand slam holder. Well, so am I. <laughs> I'm a super slam. I'm a super slam holder. So, okay. So, so the guy. So, is it annoying that I'm asking about the lion, Cecil no, the lion? No, no. What's your take on it? You know, because you got you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I am guilty. Can I, I ask it in two parts? Sure. Part A. Yeah. What's your take on what happened? Not how it was perceived. No, I know. Was that business as usual, or was that like a fucked up thing that happened? I I, I have serious reservations about the affair. The you know the the Macomber affair. This was the Cecil affair. Okay, please lay down. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's part A, mind you. Part B is going to be 
what's your take on how it's it was a park, perceived? It's a, park, it's a park lion that they sat on the edge of the park and waited for it to walk out. You feel that they knew? Of course they knew. Of course. And, the, and the other thing about it was because people, people make a big deal like, this guy spent $50,000. That's cheap. That well, that's is cheap. But that's, okay. I mean, no. That's a part that shouldn't matter. Is it that, better if it was free? That lion, that lion should have cost seventy-five dollars to $100,000 because that's what the market is. If you're going to go, you know, the, 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 the invisible hand of capitalism, he got that lion for about half price. Okay. And the reason he got it for half price was the guy, I have to be careful here because I'm not sure, you know, if we want, we want to, don't, don't want to get into like areas that maybe. Oh, 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 oh. I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying right now. Well, I'm just saying we don't want, we don't want to get into the areas where, where, cause I, I, I may suggest that there was some illegal activity involved. I got you. But I don't, I'm not saying it was that hundred. You don't know that that was, yeah. I'm I don't you. know that was the I, case. I appreciate, I appreciate. But, but what I, what I, what I, what I suspect. Okay. And this is purely suspicion and has absolutely no basis in fact. And as far as I know, the guy who killed it's good to his mother and everything else. Loves and, his mother. And the mother, and the guy he hunted with, the, the professional hunter was, was also loves his mother. And the African guy whose property they shot it on, which was, which abuts the park. He is he is the salt of the earth. That was private property. Yeah. So that was, a, that was a dude's land. Yeah, I believe. Huh. Well, it's it's up. Now you have me there because I'm not really sure. There was there was some question about who had who had the permit and it's kind of it's kind of imi- that part's kind of yeah, immaterial. You get, you get, so you get, I don't want to bog us. You get you get into the weeds on this one. Yeah. But the reason I I think in my own opinion and without knowing if this guy did anything wrong is that if that lion was what appears to me to be rather cheap, it was because they knew where that lion was and they didn't have to spend a lot of time hunting it. Gotcha. You know, that, that if they had to go, if you had to go to Tanzania tomorrow and hunt a, a, and now and you got to remember in Tanzania, you have to, your lion, the lion has to be, you have to age the lion on the, on the hoof as it were. So you know it's six years old or older. You can't take anything younger than that anymore in Tanzania okay. by law, you know. And if you actually went to Tanzania looking for a lion like that and, and in the wild and everything else like that, you could be there hunting a month. You know, you could be there and you could spend seventy-five to $100,000. So because what? Because of the rarity of it, not the, because of the, it's a hard hunt. It's a hard hunt. You know, it's like, it's like shooting a 400 point bull elk in yeah. the mountains. Yeah. If it's it was like, easy. got a month. Cause it might take 10 years of a month. You know, I mean, it's, it's yeah. And, and from what I understand of this situation was the, the, they didn't hunt him that long. Okay. And then, and then a crossbow, he shot it with a crossbow. I got nothing against crossbows, but you feel there might have been a noise factor. I don't know. No, I, I won't go that far. I think I think it was it was it was part of the uh, you know the esprit of the whole thing. It was. I got it was, you. I'm going to add my own little twist to this by hunting in with a crossbow. Okay. Um, but I, I don't know. I, but I don't know that. I don't know any. Of can it. I add two things here because I didn't yeah. get your impression on this? Yeah. I think about this almost. Uh, I think about this bi-weekly at least. Now, 
why moving into the perception of it yeah why do americans get mad when they hear that someone paid a lot for something and it's puzzling to me for this reason if we look at the history of colonialism it generally is that you go into a country and you take valuable shit and don't pay anyone for it right and take it back home right so here's a system where a feller even though, as you're pointing out, may have underpaid. He goes in and he pays an outrageous sum for a thing that he would like to remove from the land. And that is more offensive to Americans than had he just gone and stolen it. Well, I would think that people would be like, well, at least the son of a bitch gave him $50,000. But people get pissed about the money. They're like, he paid $250,000 to kill a rhino that's asshole-ish. A real, a better guy wouldn't have paid shit. Maybe. I, I mean. But that's what, kind of what you're saying. Well, no, that's, I, 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 listen. I, like, I, why is that upsetting? Well, you know, why do we, why do we get pissed off when we see people, you know, with, 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 you know, Rolls Royces and Blink? Because you're jealous. Because you're jealous. Because you. I wish I'd been born, I wish I'd been born rich instead of good looking. You know, I mean, I had, a, I had a friend of mine who always would complain about the fact he's from Mississippi and he had, you know, he, he kind of like worked his way up into the upper echelons of, but there was a point in his life where he said, you know, if I had as much money as that son of a bitch over there, I'd make him look like Ned's first primer. <laughs> I don't understand what that means. <laughs> oh, Ned's first primer. That's, that's, that's the book you used to read in the little, little schoolhouse. That taught you ABCs. And it was a good looking guy or not? No, 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 no. That's not the whole point. If, if I, I had don't understand a, the point. Okay. Back up. If I mean his point was that um, he was jealous of all these other guys who had so much money they could hunt anything they wanted to in the world. Okay, you know. Oh, and his argument was if I had that kind of money, I would make them look like Ned's first primer, which means that they, so, he'd drown them in dead shit. He would dr- he would yeah. make them look like amateurs yeah. from the word go. Can I ask my second question? Yes, this didn't occur to me till the other day. Yesterday. A guy, an outdoor photographer named John Hafner, yeah. who shoots a lot of wildlife photography, yeah. showed me a picture of a lion, a male lion. Yeah. And he's got a big-ass mane. John says, that lion is actually a collared lion. Where's a radio collar? You can't see the damn collar. Yeah. He's got a thick-ass mane. Yeah. So with the Cecil, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about Cecil, unless you got more you want to add. No, no but go ahead. Yeah. A big part of the story People were pissed Oh yeah, that no, he they paid had a- for it, and people were also pissed that it had a collar, but I don't know that that would have been known. Do you think that that would have been known or not known? Well, yeah, they had to cut it off. Because right now, am I circumcised or not circumcised? Prior, prior. You don't know? Well, they, they, I, mean, I mean, it was like, it was like I was listening to the radio coming up here, and they're talking about some guy in Kentucky who's on the run because he cut off his ankle bracelet you know, yesterday. Oh yeah, they cut it off after. But is it, I, is, mean, I mean, it, 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 it shows... They knew before they shot it. Not that that would have mattered. That lion was, it was Cecil, for God's sake. Yeah, but people told, I, I also read a lot about this, that like that name didn't quite have the cachet no, 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 in life that it did in death. No, no, I understand. No, no, that's, that's correct. But th- there's, there's a lot in my mind, at least, there's a lot of circumstantial evidence that, that this lion's fate had been sealed before the the hunter ever got to Africa, 
That, that like a guy's like, you know what? A fella could probably lure that island, that, you that know, lion out of this, there. This, there, there was a phone call to somebody at some point and said, I've got this lion over here. I'm pretty sure if we, you know, we put a dead eland or something, and this is not what I'm saying happened, but I'm just saying that we can, we can get this, we can pull this lion out of the park, you know? Yeah. And that, that's going to be the same thing when, you know, if we get to where we're, we can hunt grizzlies down south of here, wherever we hunt them again. Yeah, man. There, there's going to be, there's going to be, where do you draw the line? Do you, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, well, I'll say where I would draw it at the park boundary. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> That's probably not where it's going to be drawn. No, but I mean, but, but, you know, the, what difference does it make if you keep pushing it out and you're, there's going to be a line somewhere, you know, and I, I don't, I don't know what, the, I, you know, I, that leaves me. You know, I probably I don't think I'm going to be shooting a grizzly, so that's fine. You know? I, don't, I don't intend to put in for a tag. No, I don't either. You know, but I don't. I I can see where it would be really interesting for some people, mm-hmm. and it could be done, and it can be done right. Yeah. You know, but it, eventually it's going to come down to lines. You know, there's a line here, a line here. What do you you know? So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. The, no. But, but when like, that was playing out, this yeah. this is the honestly the last question. I'm sure. 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 When that was playing out. Let me preface it by this. A friend of mine did many tours in Iraq and Afghanistan in the Navy. Okay. Now he comes home, gets out of the military, and every time something is in the news about Iraq or Afghanistan, I would go to him being like, hey, what do you, what's your take on? And he said, now at this point, I read the newspaper like anybody else. I don't have, like, my time there doesn't give me the feeling of having, like, insight. It doesn't give me the feeling of, like, that I'm following that story more carefully. Okay? So if you're a guy who's written hundreds of pages about hunting in Africa, when a story like that happens and everyone fires up the outrage machine, do you see it as just a guy like, huh? Or do you see it as this is my realm, my world, my professional space. I must interject and give clarity to all the people who are, who are out looking now. Or is it just like, I don't know. The you guy know, shot a line. I don't know. I don't have, um, I don't know that I feel that I can offer an opinion in that sense. Okay. You know, um, I know how I feel about these things. I mean, I hate to say it, but I mean, but hunting is, you know, what's the line about, uh, um, I get again to hunt, quote Hemingway, I guess it is. It's what we have instead of God. You know? Yeah. Um, and I, 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 you know, for me, there's, there's something of hunting is, in a way, at least one of my religions, if I'm, I'm, if I want to consider myself polytheistic, I'm following you, you know, and the older I get, and the more I get, I get into it, the, the less I hate seeing piss in the cathedral. That's how I feel. That's you know? a good way of putting it. I'm glad you just said that. You know, I mean, I, don't, don't go piss in the baptismal fountain, you know, um, That's it. But, I, but I don't know how you teach that. I don't know how you instruct that. 
I don't know that how you, I mean, I don't know. And I don't want to be one of these, 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 these crabs who just, you know, oh, you horrible human being. What are you, you know, I don't, you know, if you can sleep at night, that's fine. And, and, you know, and if you're, if, 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 the, if, the, if there are scientifically based, well-enforced laws that make sense, then go for it. You know, I, I, I don't know that. I mean, I'm not sure where ethics, there are ethics and that's, and, there, and we, we do as we, we do as hunters, we do bring our, we, we do have an ethical structure that we believe in. You know, no. just because something is legal doesn't mean it's right, sure. you know, or moral or ethical. Um, but that, I'm a, that was the Aldo Leopold. Yeah. Everybody likes the part of the quote where he says, like, ethics is what you do when no one's watching. Right. But he goes on to say, even when it's legal. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, but, but that is, you know, when it's, when, the, as a society, we can only enforce the law. Yeah. Yeah. Now we can, we can try to, we can try to shape ethics, but that is more of a, uh, um, a, a cultural definition we're putting on things. That's well, ethics and law walk through life hand in hand in many ways. Maybe, you know, I mean, I, I, I think, I think there's, there's, you know, it's yeah. But I don't know. I don't. I don't know who's who's the handmaiden and who is the not. You know. I, no, I understand. Um, I'm not. Sure. I, you know who I think? I think that ethics is the mother holding the hand, the child's hand of law. Yeah, except I'll have to think about that more to think, except, see except, if I really except, think except, that. Except, except, except the law in this case is, is a derelict. Is is no? He's like he's like seven foot three and weighs four hundred <laughs> pounds and has a big mallet. You know, that, you know, I mean, the, 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 we, we, we can talk about what the law is capable of doing to people's lives. If you, you know, it's, yeah. um, which ethics are not, you know, ethics. I mean, you can, you can, you can, I mean, ethics, ethics shouldn't be able to take away your liberty or your freedom. Laws can take away your liberty and your freedom. You know, yeah. ethics, ethics can shame you. Law can execute you. <laughs> but that, you know, that's a funny thing because I find that when hunters get in trouble, yeah, when hunters get in trouble, they like to, in re, especially in the last couple of years, yeah, hunters get in trouble and they like to go, uh, they like to go, but it was legal, and they're kind of like people are thinking about one thing and they're talking about another thing mm. because they don't do like like let's like hey I have a wife and kids okay so let's say it emerged that uh, at night. I would sneak out and just go have sex with women in bars that I met in bars. Right. Later, someone's like, dude, did you hear? Can you believe his wife at home taking care of those kids? And he's out like, is there room for me to go? But it's legal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. No one, no one doubted the legal. No one cares that it was legal. I, and 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 no one's like, oh, ha, yeah, my bad, cool. But that's, but that again, I mean, there, there isn't, there isn't any way of that I know of, uh, you know, of persuading a sociopath that no. that or a narcissist, because what you're talking about is narcissism, and 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 you know, social sociopathology. It's not criminal. 
but it sure makes life hell for everybody around you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I mean, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, if, you, if, if, if a guy's cheating on his wife, he's making it hell for her. He's not breaking the law, though. Yeah. That's yeah. where community comes in and so, and social and culture. Well, you know, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's, but it's, you know, but even you, you would think that it would be something internalized in a the human being that he mm-hmm. would, it would come to him at some point and going, you know, I am a dog. I am a two-dick dog who should be shot. <laughs> well, if we're taking <laughs> it back to the example of like of hunting, yeah, I see like that can be like hyper like local and like it's across the country. Imagine like there's different social sure. norms in like Alabama than there are in Idaho, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it comes back to ethics and your community yeah. almost holding you accountable. Yeah. And I'm a big proponent of that, and I love thinking about the ethics of hunting because it's so interchangeable. Um, it's, it's. I mean, yeah. what, are, what are the ethics of, of of hunting raccoons with hounds in California versus the ethics of hunting raccoons with hounds in Tennessee? You know. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, I, I, I blew this because earlier I used this. I mentioned this quote uh, that you. A, a quote i can't remember who's true no yeah the hemingway quote where someone's like where he says you know oh, we should go hunt in africa and he's like i got no desire he says just because you haven't read a book about it right reading the book i've decided i'm real interested in uh i've adopted your favorite animal as my favorite animal to hunt can you talk about the wet like cape buffalo yeah how it is that that in your mind is like that in your mind is like the animal. And earlier you were gonna, I think you started to say something and got distracted. No. You were gonna say that when you hunt, you're a surrogate, right, for the people you're right. with. And I thought that at that point you were gonna point out that you you get excitement from what excites them. Well, yeah, that's exactly. Well, okay, that's. So talk about Kate Buffalo. They're, but they're, weave, weave that. In I mean, it. I mean, you you can you can get a sense where. You know, certain animals, you know, if, if, if you take an impala, if you hunt an impala and the, and you make a, you know, reputable, sh- you know, good shot, it's clean kill and they have meat for camp, you know, they're going to come up and they're going to go, congratulations. The difference between that and, and if you have to, if you bring down a buffalo with one shot, the, the, the effusiveness of their response is going to be. For one thing, they're not going to have to follow a wounded buffalo into the bush, you know, which they do not want to do, which nobody in his right mind wants to do. Though there are some people in their wrong minds who do. But so yeah, no, there is that. I mean, you know, they they. I can look at an animal. Well, Africans never get bored hunting a buffalo. They never get blasé about hunting a buffalo because of the risk. Because of lots of reasons, you know, they, they, they have, they have this sort of ultimate respect for a buffalo, you know, they, there's, again, it, 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 it becomes very difficult to, you know, what is it? I, I'm not sure, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, <laughs> it's like pornography. I know it when I see it, you know, it's, it's, who, a, who was it that said that? Uh, Justice Potter Stewart. Um, they, uh, um, there, there is something about, you know when you're hunting a buffalo that this is an animal 
And I, it's, you know, you have the, you have the advantage. What do they weigh? About 1,500 pounds, 1,600 pounds, you know? And they, they can run 30 miles an hour, 35 miles an hour. Pretty good clip. The other part of it is, as I've gotten older, and you know, I, I think more in terms of the fact that there's so much meat. <laughs> that's why people get excited about them too. That's that's part of it. You know, it's 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 there. There is there is the reward of hunting buffalo well is in and of itself hunting buffalo well. That that you know you didn't mess it up. You didn't you didn't cause a a, a scene. You didn't there was there was no you didn't cause a traffic accident in the middle of wherever you were. Yeah, you know, and then when meaning wounding one, and, meaning wounding, and, and nothing and everything goes to, and it's and it just worse comes to worse, and it just gets worse. But have you, you experienced that? Yeah, sure. You know, it, and never had anything where it was uh, I was ever really threatened. But I, you know, spent a lot of time trailing a wounded animal that I really didn't feel very good about having caused. Yeah. You know, one of the things you say you like so much about it yeah. is that you have to follow them into the thick shit. Yeah. And it's like a very, it's, you're not choosing to have it be close. It just has to wind up being close. Yeah. I mean, you, 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 you basically, you want to be as close as you can get. You know, what's, what's the, what's the, there's the old, there's the old saying, the old adage, you get absolutely as close as you can and get a hundred yards closer. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and you you could be you know when you you, you don't want to be that's an adage for hunting Cape Buffalo. Yeah, or any dangerous game. Well, I remember there's a point in there where you had someone at 200 yards. You're like, uh-uh, no. Yeah, no, that's not that's not that, cause, that's, cause, sh- that's shooting and not hunting. If you know what I mean, I mean you can you can kill a buffalo at 200 yards. You kill a buffalo at 300 yards. You know, uh, and 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 why? <laughs> You but know? what what makes it then hunting at one hundred that it's not at, at two hundred? It's just well, I mean, I mean, it's like it's like dangers. yeah, yeah. Well, it's like anything else. You're you're giving him, you know, you're not you're not throwing away your advantage, but you're giving him more play for his senses. You're giving right. him more of a chance of 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 what do they English call it? Twigging to you, you know, discovering that you're there, smelling you. So you're not trailing them into the brush because that's how you got to find them. You're doing it because it's an act of respect to the animal. No, you're you're, you're going in. I mean, that's where they are. That's where they. That's that's their turf. You know, that's their beach, their wave. That's where they live. You know, the the you can find herds out in the middle of of big open plains, um, passing through, passing through. But you know, you'll at some point you'll end up having to go into the into the trees and look for them. And that's and it's what, unnerving. You know, it, 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 it starts out that way. And then, I mean, this sounds, then you use that up, you use that up and then it becomes like, I want to do this again. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, you know, I mean, when I first started hunting Buffalo, they scared the crap out of me, you know, cause we couldn't see them. They were just in this, you know, uh, you're just crawling in after them. And then they would all of a sudden you'd hear this like just this massive explosion of animals, and you'd hear the you know you'd hear their they got those big bosses on their horns that big horn cap, and you'd hear them smacking into the trees and coming through there, you know. And which which way are they going? You know, are they coming at me? Are they going away? And uh, yeah, you mentioned what, that you what could cause that explosion. Well, just they're 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 just they're they're just going, 
Yeah, they drop their heads and they're going. But I mean, just out of the blue, they're feeding one no, minute and they, going they, to the well, next. They've 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 caught your wind. Okay, or, or they've you. heard they've heard you snap a twig, and you know you got and then you've got like twenty or thirty of them all together. So you got twenty or thirty sets of eyes and twenty or thirty sets of ears and twenty or thirty sets of noses. So it's like you know you ever watch you ever notice like on whitetail and and uh, and and turkeys are always together. Yeah, and I figured that out was because turkeys can't smell and whitetail can't see as well as turkeys can, but they know how to trigger off of each other. Yeah, anyway, you. leave that there. Because you talk about that bird all the time that lifts up. Yeah, yeah, the tick bird. You see that tick bird, you know that there's some. <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. also talk about that you could creep in there and get thirty yards away, and there's a fifteen hundred pound animal on its feet looking at you, and you might not catch it. I've, you the, might not detect its presence. The, 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 the guy I was telling you about, the old guy who taught me how to, who I got my, inherited my love of Africa from, I guess. But, I mean, he, he, the first elephant he ever took was in French Equatorial Africa in 1956 or something. And he and the tracker, because the professional hunter had gotten sick, got malaria. So they just went with the tracker, just team the tracker, and they were hunting elephants. And, and he said he'd never seen an elephant in the wild at all. And they they were crawling in through the forest. I mean, crawling, hands and knees. And and the tracker, like, you know, grabbed him and he said, there, you know, there. And he's looking and looking and looking. He can't see anything. And he, he's looking back and forth and the guys keep keeps pointing. And suddenly he sees 30 feet in front of him, four legs, <laughs> you know? And they look like, they look like big tree trunks. And he, then he keeps looking up and up and up. And there's this, there's this head, you know, kind of like, just in there, you know, pulling stuff off the branches. And he said that was his first elephant he'd ever seen anywhere in the wild. But that's kind of what happens with buffalo. You get in there, you know. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? And you probably got rain gear, but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear. Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow, so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. 
Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Now, I've got two good buddies with what I would call really, really good waterfowl dogs. And here's one of those buddies, Max. Not the dog, but the buddy. I've used that sport dog collar now in multiple different states, U.S. and Canada, different temperatures all the way to negative 20 degrees, and it just doesn't stop working. I'm a fan for life. Get 20% off your first purchase using code MEATEATER. So go to www.sportdog.com slash MEATEATER to learn more. Can't find them. It's like any untrained game eye. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, and that's the thing about, you know, that's, you know, that's like I say, you, you know, you, these trackers are, you know, like there and you're going like, where? You know, and they go there and, and they just, you know, they just know where it is. They, and that's, that's inborn. That's innate. I don't know. It's, 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 it's a wonderful mystery. How do you, how do you, I want to ask how you cope with something or how you perceive something when you, when you hunt there a lot. Uh, this could be true for anyone who does like a lot of guided hunting. Okay. Yeah. Where. Like, like I look at hunting as being a thing where you sort of um, acquire, like it's just it's this never ending thing of like the acqu- like acquiring skills. Yeah. Okay. Developing a skill set. Yeah. And no one knows the end of it. Right. Right. There's no there's no cap. There's no arrival moment. Right. Right. In fact, the more you climb, there's no ceiling. The, the there's more no. you become aware of the lack of a ceiling. There's no ceiling. Yeah. yeah. I think early on you could feel that it was there. But it's not there, and I find that if you're not brought up doing it, um, it creates a separate. It, 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 it creates a cap too. Like it's hard to come in late and climb very high. Yeah, yeah. But in Africa, I feel that that open that 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 unachievable ceiling probably doesn't really seem to be there because. You have so much infrastructure around you that's invested in you getting it, and it would almost be that you would one would feel if if you were a hunter, you would feel like I'm not bringing anything to this. In right. fact, I'm slowing this whole thing down. <laughs> like you are, you are the impediment. They yeah. would get this done faster and more efficiently were it not for my presence. Hand them the gun. Let them so. Go. How do you cope with that? Well, you know, it's 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 an imperfect world. Um, you know, I mean, if, if, if in a different time, in a different age, you were born in Africa. You know, a lot of these professional hunters were born growing up in the bush, you know, and they hunted for their families and for themselves. So they learned it that way. I, I guess, I guess I could look at it in that regard and say, well, I'm not bringing everything to the game. I am. But does that mean 
I don't want to do something that I have come to love. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's the, you know, I mean, you, you know, the satisfaction of like hunting something on your own and, and, you know, I go in there, you got, you pack I know, it up. I know both satisfactions. I know yeah. that satisfaction and I know the satisfaction of making a friend who does something really well. And then your yeah. friend takes you out and lets you be along with him. Yeah. And the, the thrill of, learning. Well, I think, I think the I think thrill of learning. That's, you know, if you can get to that stage with Africans, and that to me is I don't know a better way of doing that. I've, I've never found a better way. Maybe there is one that I don't know about, yeah. or at least that I've experienced. I mean, when you get to the point where you, when, you, know, when you have done something that, that a bunch of African hunters, trackers, look at you and go, you know, give you a thumbs up, it's, it's you know, it's golden. Yeah. Because you, you know when it's genuine. Listen, I, I don't want you to think that I'm saying that I don't. No, 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 I don't no, no. Go, I do go into those situations. No, but I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's, and you know the difference when it's genuine, when it's perfunctory or perform, pro forma, you know? I'm the tracker. I'm supposed to tell this guy, you know, good job, Buana. Yeah. But when, when they sincerely do it and honestly do it, you know you've earned that from them. That's a, you know, it's a great sensation. It's a great feeling. Yeah. And I think, For that, sure. I think that's, I think some people would think that needing that, that, that not, I don't want to say needing. I think that some people would think that basking in that approval is childish, <laughs> but I do not because I, I, I do like that. Well, there, I are, mean, there are ways, there are ways to like, ca- there are ways to like calibrate one's performance and, and to have, and to do things and be in a, in a atmosphere of other people. And yeah. to get to a point where other people are like, job well done, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's when, you're, when you're, when you can move one-tenth as quietly as an African and stay up with them, you know, going through the bush, that, that comes back to you. you get, there's, a, there's a feedback loop in that where you, you get that energy and you feed on it. Did you feel like over the years that, did you feel like you learned a lot? Yeah. Or just, was it like mostly having experiences or was it learning too? It's always learning. I mean, I, I, I always have learned, I've tried to learn no matter where I was, you know, I want to, I want to talk to the people. I want to know what they're doing. I want to know, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know where I, if it's, I don't think it's in the book, but I was just writing something the other day about, you know, going to places, going to how you go. Why would I hunt in Africa instead of going on a photo safari? Okay. Um, and there's nothing wrong with going on a photo safari. Just, but, but I suddenly realized that the people I am dealing with in a, in a, you know, a photo lodge situation, these are people who are in the service industry. Now you could argue the trackers are not in the service and are, are also in the service industry. Yeah, but that's not a very good argument. But I'm just saying, but I'm just saying, you know, that there is, that it's a different relationship from where I am, you know, when a guy's hovering around me, wanting to know if I can, if he can, you know, if he can, if he can pour me some more wine and get a bigger tip, you know, and, and whereas if I'm dealing with a tracker, you know, where, where he, he'll stop and he'll point to the tracker and we'll, and we'll, you know, we'll try to, we'll try to figure it out, you know, 
what are we, you know, what are we looking for here? You know? And, and it's all, there's a blank, there's, it's, it, there's, there is, there is a language barrier that just disappears. Yeah. That doesn't, you know, if he doesn't speak English, I don't speak Swana or, 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 or Kukuyu or something else, but we communicate, we understand each other. And that's like, just, yeah. I mean, just, I, I don't know. I'm certain to get, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard not to get, uh, nostalgic about it what about that nostalgia because i guess that like even the name i feel like the name of your book like having the autumns yeah right there's a kind there's a there's in africa yeah there's a well there's there's an endiness do you like like is it done you know like if i look like i could i could rattle off some stuff no i mean it's 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 like it's i'm going back in january oh you are I'm going to go to Burkina Faso. And, and the reason I'm going to Burkina Faso is there's a, there's a relatively small area, like 250,000 hectares or something. That's really wild country. There's elephants and lions there walking around. There's no fences. And there's a different buffalo. There's the savannah buffalo. So I'm, I want to go back. I want to hunt two animals. That's it. I want to hunt uh, the, the savannah buffalo and the western roan. And the Western Roan is like, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's like a really mean whitetail. <laughs> it's, yeah. a really, it's a really, it's a disgruntled whitetail because they're very smart and they love to, and they're just beautiful animals, wonderful eating. You know, I, I, I don't want, I, I, again, I'm going to, I don't, people don't really pay much attention to it, but I mean, the, but the game meat's great. Does anything in Africa have antlers? Uh, you know, you know, actually giraffes are pedestals which are not, they're kind of proto-antlers. Uh, and there are red deer in northern uh, Africa. Is that right? Yeah, the, the Barbary red deer is native. That, native. You know what surprised me? Uh, you talk about hunting Seuss Scrafa. Yep. You talk about hunting wild pigs in Africa. Yeah. I didn't know in, the nor- in, the, in northern Africa they yeah. have yeah. straight-up wild hogs. Yeah. Sounds like a shitload of them. Yeah, lots in Tunisia. Yeah, it's the, and they're they're all over the place. But I point out to people about like autumns in Africa, like uh, August in Africa. I'm oh, sorry, not autumns. Oh, I said autumns earlier. August, August in Africa. Uh, but you go a lot of other months. Uh, yeah, but that's it's it's not it's 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 a it's a it's a figurative time you know it's it, it it's when i first in fact the first time i went there, I went there the first time i was it was september but there is a there's a you know there's an august feel to it yeah you know it, it's it's especially growing up in like southern california you know you get that kind of late august weather and the climate and that's kind of what you run into in in africa when you're there sometimes you know it can feel like that and uh it's 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 more a metaphorical time than it is an actual calendar date. Yeah, you know, conjures a bit of uh, romance and nostalgia, like you said. Well, there's a quote on the cover by from Robert Rourke, which is you know that, that that's when they burn the they burn the grass in July and the good the decent hunting starts in August. Mm. Which in the one little part of Africa he hunted, you know, that's something about Hemingway too. I mean, Hemingway didn't really never he never got out of East Africa. And Rourke never got out of East Africa. 
pretty much. Never got out of. No. So how much have, like, okay, take it for granted that this is a gradual decline, like there's a gradual decline of wild places in the world. That's just like a way to explain world history, okay? The peopling of the world. So taken outside of just that general gradual thing that happens, right? how much are... How much are the good old days here or not here? Because I oftentimes find myself, when I'm talking about hunting in America, I try to remind people that um, depending on how, like, how, how wide your net is, that there's a pretty good argument to be made that we're in the good old days right now. Well, sure. Yeah. And, and, you, and you have a different... You know, again, we we have we have the luxury or the or the benefit of you know the greatest conservation system, wild conservation system, in the world. You know, if, if you look at if you look at other places, you're talking about New Zealand and Europe and and you know South Africa. We're we're you know this is this is this is animal husbandry that's going on in those places. South Africa, New Zealand. Well, I mean, yeah, it's animal husbandry. Yeah, on a uh, you know on a on a with wild animals, whereas we actually still have, you know, truly wild populations, and yeah, I mean you know there's there's more game here than than there was, and that and that's a loaded word as well, game. You know, I mean that's people probably give you a hard time about that word. Yeah, I don't care about those. People. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, tell me what you really think. Anyway, um, but they. Uh, I don't know what you can say about Africa, except that it does continue to decline. And that's, I don't know what the solution is. You don't feel that it's a factor of hunting? No. It's a factor of... It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's factors... Inconven- like wildlife is inconvenient. Yeah. Inconven- and, 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 and tastes good. And let's put it this way. That, that, that you, could, you, could, you could ban all hunting in Africa tonight absolutely ban it all legal licensed hunting and the populations would probably decline even faster just because it would de-incentivize yeah there'd be nothing there'd be no reason to keep anything around and and it's hard to because no one's making money off its existence and it's and it's it's you're asking you're asking uh africans to support wildlife when they can't in many cases support themselves you know we, we, we think we think you should let these elephants run through your whatever and they're gonna go why <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know it's like it's like i mean if you woke up in the morning and there was and there was and there was a bison <laughs> smashing your subaru to shreds you know you would you would probably go oh shoot him you know yeah mm-hmm and then somebody goes, no, you can't do that. Don't do that. You can't do that. Well, okay. You'd be like, then someone's going to have to give me a lot of money. Yeah. Well, it, it, but, but nobody's going to give you any money in Africa. You know, if you, if you come back and, you know, someone's destroyed, you know, the elephants have destroyed your crops trying to get them. I, actually, I think one of the big things that's, that's making a difference, I mean, I was looking, the Maasai are, are, are using, a, they can use cell phones and they can call each other and they, you know, they can go, 
elephants are in the are in the in the maze tonight, you know, and they'll run in there and try to chase them out. But that so maybe that's an advantage. But of course, the cell phone also helps the poachers. So yeah. you know, why is it now? Why does it cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars to kill a rhino? Why does it cost two hundred fifty thousand dollars to get a governor's permit for a, you know, small for for a sheep, small pool? Yeah, you know that there's there is. And what are the ones that do get killed? The ones that do get like what are the situations where there? What are the situations where like how many how many rhinos are hunted every year? A are handful. The, are they cold? Like are they identified? Yeah, that's what is I mean. That what you they, mean? Yeah. Well, there's, 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 you know, there, okay, there's two kinds. There's white rhino and the black rhino. Okay. Now, the white rhino is actually uh, the more popular, it is now, it didn't used to be, but is now the more populous species. Did not used to be. Oh, no. No, they were almost gone. Okay. You know, the, the, and there's a long history of that, but if you, you, you can go back to um, the South Africans back in the 50s or 60s, they wanted to kill them all off because they wanted more land for grazing and cattle okay and there was like there was one little herd of white rhino on this park 300 animals maybe and they were getting all inbred and it was just total disaster and then a guy named ian player who was the golfer gary player's brother came in and just started capturing these things and and spreading them out you know spreading them to different areas and in that amount of time they went from like 300 to there's i don't know 25,000 or something now okay in south africa so what's up with black rhinos well black rhino were the opposite they were like when they when the white rhino was down to like like 300 there was probably 100,000 black rhino unfortunately black rhino have horns and the horn is is mistakenly thought of as an aphrodisiac or a a, a medicinal has a it it is a popular ingredient in Asian medicine. Because and, this and, thing, here's this animal with a big phallus growing out of his forehead. Well, it's, mat, it's matted hair, but it's also the same. The other part of it is also is, is Yemeni sheiks wanted the horn for their, you know, their, their decorative dagger handles because yeah. it's, you know, it's this beautiful material when it's worked and they would, so that, so, so here's the thing. If you want to shoot a black rhino to poach oh, it. Almost that. Is that what, it, like, is it the mechanical removal of black rhinos killing them for their horns? Yeah. Not habitat loss. Well, it's, it's, there's probably so few, it's, there's a lot of habitat. There's, there's, there's a lot of parks. That could have rhinos on it. Could have rhinos on it, but they get, they get killed pretty fast. Okay. And, and it's, it's a continuing, it's a running, it's a running firefight. Did you see someone went into a French zoo and shot a rhino? No, but I but shot I shot a rhino and stole the horn. Yeah, well, people really pe- people in in a damn zoo. Oh my gosh! People in Africa have who had mounted rhino heads in there have come home and their house has been broken into and some horns gone, chopped off the horn off of it. Because well, from a pragmatic stand from a you know pragmatic standpoint, okay, so I want to get a permit to hunt a black rhino. Okay, now the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service says, if you can prove to me that, you can prove to us that by hunting this rhino, you're actually, which is an endangered species, if you can prove to us that by hunting this, you're actually going to improve the species, the, 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 you know, improve the survival for the species by, by pumping a lot of money into conservation, 
then have at it. So the way the so the governments in like Namibia and places like that that have viable populations of black rhino, and also part of the problem is 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 they want to get rid of the old bulls because they are a a, a drug on the market, as they say. They they don't breed, you know. They're done breeding. They just they they take over territory and they want to move them out. That that if you kill one, you're going to actually end up with net more rhinos because you're pulling this one out of the yeah. out of the herd. So a guy comes over to Namibia. He pays the Namibian government two hundred fifty thousand dollars, three hundred fifty thousand dollars. That money then ostensibly is earmarked for various conservation projects related to the black rhino. He then can import, which is important to him, he can import that rhino head into the United States. Okay. Now, the alternative, so, the alternative is a poacher comes out in the middle of the night, jack lights it, shoots it, sells the horn for $20,000. It's worth $20,000. Yeah. It was. I, you know, and these things are going up and down. Yeah, I'm with you. But the, the big deal right now is like, like if you can believe that China is actually going to stop the trade. And they said they, they finally got around to saying, yeah, we're no more ivory, no more, we're, we're done. And if they do that, it's going to dry everything up, and there's going to be no incentive to start poaching these things. Anymore. So it might help. Well, it can't hurt, you know. Well. Yanni? Dude, I, like, yeah. Like, uh. Your book really made me think about a ton of shit I hadn't thought about before. <laughs> well, could I uh, could I uh, read a small piece out of it? Please. Okay. Ugh. What's interesting to me is that not a, a single topic of the last hour and a half has been without controversy. Of some. I, no, but that was my approach to the book. I didn't approach the book. I didn't approach the book just wanting to hear cool hunting stories. I approached the book because I'm like a guy uh, who is like just inter like okay a lot of, like I have an inner struggle like do I want to go is it a thing that in my life needs to happen as a person who's pursuing hunting as a discipline and as a mechanism for exploration mm-hmm. like is that or is that not I came out of that book thinking that that I would like to go to a wilderness type area and travel with people who were who grew up in that environment and travel with them and crawl through that thick ass brush looking for a cape buffalo or or the you know the other possible i mean if you really want to get um there you there's the the, the um democratic republic of the congo brazzaville yeah. and there you hunt the forest dwarf and don't be mistaken by the fact they're called dwarf forest buffalo because they're actually more dangerous than the Cape buffalo because of the habitat they live in. And that is where you actually, that is, I haven't done it, but that is way wicked. I mean, that is, you are hunting, a lot of the times you're hunting with pygmies. And, and you know, and, and you can imagine what that must be, like the trip that must be going into these. Yeah, we've talked with our buddy about doing that. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't mean. Do you do you feel? Uh, you know, it's like yeah, customer satisfaction surveys. Do you feel that in our conversation um, that I've focused on shit that you wish I hadn't focused on? No. No, I mean, I I, I appreciate. You know, 
Like one to ten, how likely would you be <laughs> to, to to what? Yeah, to yeah, recommend yeah, this yeah. to a friend. To recommend this to a friend. Uh, well, I don't want to. I mean, you know, you haven't you haven't put this on the air yet, so it depends how how politic I want to be. Uh, the point being that this has been this has been a refreshing refreshingly intelligent conversation for me. Okay, because you know. You're not an African hand. Let's put it that way. What's that mean? Well, you don't have any. You, you don't have any African. You don't. You don't have any on the ground experience in Africa. No, right? no. That's that's a fair assumption. But you're a hunter. Yep. And you can understand the motivations of why people would go some hundred percent crazy ass place like Africa, and why once they went there, they kept going back when they really had no business financially or economically or, you know, trying to put a kid through college and a wife, you know, keep her fed at least once a week, you know, <laughs> she's already going like, you're not going back. Are you? And I go like, um, no, I might. I go, God, no, no. So, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I give it a solid nine and a half. How's that? Okay. I, and well, I, I wasn't even worried about it. So Giannis just said that. No, uh, I, I wasn't saying yeah, that. He always, he always struck me as a troublemaker. Well, we're not going to sit down and swap old hunting stories about Africa because I haven't gone there. Giannis. No, no, no. But I just think that that's sort of... Uh, it, there, is, there, is, there is no way in this day and age that you cannot talk about Africa without creating controversy. And I think even with two completely like-minded people, two hardcore African hunters... You'd, they'd probably find some controversy you know, and about it's, going it's, to Africa. It's, it just seems like it's inherent, almost. I mean, there's, 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 there's let's put it this Hunting in Africa gives you the potential of, of, of being the worst person you ever were in your entire life, or maybe not the best person, but a pretty damn good person. Um, okay. You know? Yeah. There's, there's, there's that. There's that choice. There is that, you know, there is that option available yeah you talk about some time you spent on a trip with a person who embarrassed you a great deal oh god yeah yeah he was he was uh their views on the culture their views on racial issues yeah he was he was he was a piece of work yeah i mean it was really that's a good story because you really go to just have such a visceral hatred for that guy you know, and it's and it was it was it was like it was because he, I, it was mutual. But but like, but yeah. it came to a point where you like came to a point where the author Tom here said, "Why did you come to Africa? <laughs> except to shoot, except to shoot stuff, except to shoot stuff." You know, and it's like when I was twenty, I could understand that because you know you're twenty, you want to you have that, you know. You know, you want to, you want to, you you want to hunt everything. Yeah. But now, I mean, you know, I'm happy to go back and like, I mean, I I I'd be I, I envy somebody like Craig Boddington because he's like over in Liberia, hunting these like antelope that are the size of this water glass. You know, <laughs> it's like, and it was, and it's, you know, the whole the whole fact that he is dealing with native trackers and they're calling them in and it's. You know, it's impenetrable jungle in this and this whole adventure. I guess. I mean, you know, it's it's maybe it sounds cliched, but how many adventures are there left? I'm sure there. Yeah, there's plenty of them, but I 
But I mean, also it kind of seems to me that more and more people are kind of like adventures becoming more and more kind of a stunt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you mean. Um, and that, that when I went to, I came at the very, 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 very end of when going to Africa was an adventure because it was Africa. And, and you didn't have to be, it wasn't a stunt to find adventure in Africa. You, it was there, you know, just by the fact of being there. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it's interesting. You mentioned the, uh, that story about that, uh, guy, uh, that Hunter, we took a mutual disliking to, but, um, so this meaning that you and me took a mutual dislike. I, no, he and I took a mutual oh. dis- dislike to each other. Got any final thoughts, Giannis? Got a lot of final questions. Sure. We don't have to probably time for it, but um, pick one. Pick one. Pick your best one. Take your best shot. Attention must be paid. I, I'm not. All, I'm not just all the classic. I just want to be like. I just want to start talking calibers and bullet weights. <laughs> oh, that's what your that's what your problem is. <laughs> Yeah, because that's like, like, like I, I mean, I like the 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 bigger grinder right, ideas. I'll break too. it down for you. But Tom and I four twenty five Nitro Express <laughs> is what a lot four four seventy four seventy is awfully nice. Tom and I could probably sit around now after that's you got, what you wanted out of this. You, you guys left. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, Yanni's podcast in yeah. which yeah. I'm going to ask uh, what his favorite caliber was over 40 years and no. how that changed. Well, you should have told me earlier, man. <laughs> 375. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong in Africa with a 375. I'll tell you the name. I'll tell you, just to let you know that I'm adept. Mm-hmm. The Queens of the Plains Rifles. Isn't that something like that? The Queen so, yeah. of the Plains Rifles. Yeah. Yeah. The Queen, yeah. 375 is about. All right, so Giannis is bummed out that we didn't. Oh <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. I'm just saying that, like, you know. Um, <laughs> as we're discussing all these controversial ideas, I'm thinking, okay, like, oh, when you're getting ready to go, wonder, you if, he text, ha- you can- wonder if he hand-loaded most of his uh, ammunition. Okay, when you're getting ready to go, you're getting ready to go. As a matter of fact, I did, but that's beside the point. When you're getting ready to go, text Tom and ask him what. Yeah, I will. Michelle, uh, and, 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 yeah. and Woodley, Woodley Solids, by the way, are good for you. Yeah. So I know these landscapes are like, when I think of fence tons, all I know of is our recent discussion with. Um, you know, talking about CWD, right? Yep. Um, and I know the landscape is on such a greater scale over in Africa, but in these fenced areas, is there any problem with disease transmission? Well, that's a good question. Um, and and it's, you know, the the there's I I think in the afterward to the book, I I, I kind of look into the the fact of that, you know, you have this this you have one school of thought that says by getting value out of the wildlife. We're actually helping to preserve it by these ranches down there. But at the same time, they're also doing these bizarre uh, breeding programs so they can come up with gold, golden wildebeest yeah. or, or, <laughs> or, you know, or, or black impalas uh. and which they have now found out that they're all sterile. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's like, so it's like, it's, it's like a the management paradox. Really? Yeah. Like, like, Dozens of species of big game isn't enough. Yeah, well, th- th- that's exactly <laughs> it. I mean, they want to they want to be able to you know, oh well, you don't have one of these. You know, they want to be able to to buttonhole a guy at a at a hunting convention. Make that go, money. You don't have one of these in your wall. Like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, I'll get one of. Them. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 crazy. It's crazy. I mean, it's just and then you know, there's a whole argument about that. But as I point out in the that that essay, I, you know, it's the same thing that happened in Spain when Spain went. You know, we went crazy with all this money. Everybody wanted to, to 
to have Andalusian horses. Mm -hmm. Then they all went broke. And then the horses, they just left to starve. You know, they, they had no money to, to run the Hastancias anymore, and they just took off and left them. So right, right now they're saying, well, look at all the money we can make out of these animals. and we can." It's a bubble. It's a bubble, and it's going to... And then what happens? I don't know. Yeah. And disease may be one of those factors or... Hmm? Well, it sounds yeah, like these shoot animals things. there, like in this book, you refer to, and I don't want to open up a whole new thing, but risks of wildlife, well, same thing with brucellosis, and, and they don't want, like, shooting animals to prevent disease transmission to livestock. Uh, yeah, they, they, they've actually, I mean, that's what they've again found out is that they're, you, you were talking about the map of how much non-supplemental feeding of cattle and how much land there is. Well, it's even worse in South Africa. I mean, there's most of the land is really pretty poor agricultural land. So there is that argument that at least the wildlife is adapted to the land mm. and we can make some money off of that. And then we can, we don't have, I don't know what else you'd do with the land over there, but you know, you, you can, you know, it, it just becomes, you're chasing your own, your dog chasing its tail. I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it, these public, I mean, you know, the fact that these guys are going to auctions and spending two million dollars for a buffalo to to put into their breeding stock. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I think the genes are going to. There's no guarantee the genes are going to do anything. Yeah, did you have a real concluding thought? Did you ever hunt any small game <laughs> over there in four yeah. years? A lot. Yeah, yeah. Franklin, Franklin grouse. Um. Fish that's like kind of the that's like the quintessential <laughs> small game, right? Everybody goes like almost everybody like hunts with Franklin, right? Or sand grouse. Sand grouse are sand grouse. Sand grouse are tough. Sand grouse are tough. They're I mean they are they just they usually they usually wait until like about ten minutes after sunset to come to the water hole, you know, and they're just streaking in there. And that's you know they're just harder than hell to kill. Throw them another one, Yanni. That's why you get all this out of your system, so you feel like you weren't wasting your time here. Oh, I don't. I, <laughs> hand low. He was shooting hand loads. Mm-hmm. He likes three seventy five. Solid. Hunts small game. Solid. Well, solid. Do you hunt yeah. squirrels? Do I, yeah, I hunted squirrels, but not in Africa. Well, he likes to talk about squirrels too. Um, I like. I like. I like it when you put the they put the they put the stick up in the tree and they twist it. They, good old Kevin Murphy twisting twisting twist the twisting the squirrel out of the tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A wounded one. Yeah. Oh well, those are the worst kind. Um. You good? No, no, I can come up with, with plenty. So you never were in a dangerous position with a Cape Buffalo. How about any other animal? Did you uh, ever, were, were you ever, Seuss, were you ever Seuss, actually thinking? Seuss, Seuss Scrofa. Yeah, oh. wild boar. I had a wild, yeah. It was, that was the, the only, I think, out and out charge I ever saw. And it kind of veered off for me and went towards this other guy was actually a wild boar, which is the least, you know, African. Yeah, all that crazy shit. It's a wild boar. Yeah, well, that's, you never know. That's the one that. You know, you never hear the bullet that kills you, right? That's what well, you know, Capstick <laughs> said, what well, was it? The dangerous thing he ever encountered was the, the woman on the malaria drugs, right? <laughs> Petey? My friend Petey? Yeah. Is that the name of the story? No, 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 no. I can't remember. No, no, Pete was a friend of mine. Oh. And, 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 and God love him. He was a wonderful rock tour. <laughs> yeah, you talk about malaria pills, too. Yeah, yeah. But there's a, there, well, no, it's a larium, I think, is the, uh, it's, it's a great psychedelic drug to take when you're sleeping. 
because you get these like just full blown dreams. Dude, I disagree because I could see ta- I could see when I'm on that. I could see waking up and like realizing that you're sucking on the end of a pistol. Oh, it's wow. that it's that bad for my brain. You've had you've had lyrium problems. Yeah, I react like yeah, yeah. Where I'm like, I'll take the malaria. Yeah, no, I, 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 if I have to choose between that drug and that disease. I'll take the disease. Yeah, yeah, and it, yeah. No, it's it, 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 it's bad stuff for some people. Really yeah. bad stuff for some people. But yeah. All right, man. All right. Well, I, August I, in Africa. Thank you so much. You, I'm, I'm guessing people can buy this book on Amazon. Yeah, the other book, my other my novella is the uh, the Snow Leopard's Tale. That's also available on uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the all your finer, uh, you know, online outlets. Yeah. yeah, if you're curious, if you hate African hunting, if you love it, if you might want to go, it'll uh, it'll inform your perspectives in a non-manipulative way. Um, thanks for joining us, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. I've used that Sport Dog collar in different temperatures. It just doesn't stop working. Get 20% off your first purchase using code MEATEATER. So go to www.sportdog.com slash MEATEATER to learn more. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck that you use, you know, like a truck, the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up, too. You keep your tools and gear organized job site or out in the field go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping go to deck.com slash meat eater get yourself some free shipping